0: Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Happy to be here with you on Friday, November 17th, which means we are in week 11 of the NFL and excited about the opportunity that we have to speak on this week. A game for the Pittsburgh Steelers that was very meaningful for for Pittsburgh, as well as for Tennessee as Tennessee's trying to keep a chokehold of the AFC South they are barely that that chokehold's becoming kind of like the last ditch pinky on the neck because They are tied with the Jacksonville Jaguars going into this week at 6-3 apiece. Tennessee owns the tiebreaker because they won the head-to-head against Jacksonville. However, they just lost to Pittsburgh, which means they are now 6-4, and and Jacksonville is on the road at Cleveland, who is 0-9. Jacksonville wins this game. They go to 7-3, and they will overtake the AFC South from the Tennessee Titans. So this is obviously a very, very big, big week. And so Jacksonville got good news in Tennessee's loss to Pittsburgh. Now they have to win. And we're going to talk about that and so much more when fantasy meets reality right here inside of Wake Up Call with Dan Satora for Fantasy Football Friday. Fantasy Football Friday brought to you by the Wildcat Sports Pub on 3680 Milton Avenue in Camillus, New York. It is a phenomenal place to go to, not just for fantasy football, for NFL watching, but in general. The food is awesome. You know what I get? Chicken Caesar wrap. Love the, uh, they call them the comma fries. They're like chips slash fries. I don't know how to describe them other than the fact that they're absolutely awesome. They taste really good. They look really cool. I've never seen anything like them. So I like when restaurants do their own little twist on something that is so mainstream. And so doing a little twist on fries is a cool way to do it. And it is a literal twist on fries. So make sure you go out and get them and try those boneless wings with the house sauce. Absolutely amazing. Ton of great food over at the Wildcat. Full bar. Family-friendly. It's a family-friendly sports bar, which normally, when you're hanging out with the family, you have to say, okay, I'll hang out with the family for a little while at Chuck E. Cheese, and then I'm going over to the sports bar. Well, in this situation, you have the opportunity to bring the family And there is this family atmosphere, it's family-oriented, and getting families into the Wildcat Sports Pub is what is very meaningful. You can have a beer with your buddies, you can go have wine with the ladies, or you could bring the family there and have a good time, watch the games, enjoy them all, the NBA, the NHL, college football, college basketball, whatever day of the week it is, whatever's going on, and of course the NFL and fantasy football, it is your hub for that. So I want to thank the Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York and suggest you head out there today. And definitely, you fantasy football players head out there this weekend and watch on all of their TVs the direct TV opportunity to see every single one of the games on in that circumference. As you spin around in your chair, you can check out every single one of the games. Mike Sofka of of Fame halloffamefantasyfootball.com and myself, of course, Dan Satora here of Wake Up Call on wakeupcalldt.com and MixLR backslash wake up call dt are proud to bring you Fantasy Football Friday, and this is Week 11. Mike, how you doing today? Awesome. How you doing? Doing very well. And, Mike, I want to get started right away, uh, jumping into it full force. Tennessee-Pittsburgh, thoughts on the game?
1: Yeah, I think Pittsburgh finally showed up, and I think, uh, you know, anytime you have a team like Tennessee that turns the ball over like they did last night, ridiculous four interceptions, you know, you say, say what you will, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, Pittsburgh put the beat down on him. How good is Antonio Brown? I mean, this is a guy who, even in double coverage just about all night, pulls down three touchdowns. He's obviously heads and shoulders fantasy-wise and maybe NFL-wise the best receiver going right now.
0: Yeah, you know, you have to give it up to Antonio Brown. I mean, I I, I went into the season considering him to be the best. I, I think that coming out of this game – You know, you look at, like Mike said, you look at his numbers, what he was able to do, 10 catches, targeted 13 times, 10 catches, 144 yards, three touchdowns in the game. It's just, it's Antonio Brown. And Juju Smith-Schuster, who has been doing really well and scoring recently, he did not score in this game, but he had 47 yards. Jesse James, who's been quiet, had five catches and a touchdown. Le'Veon Bell was the second highest targeted player out there. 11 targets, 9 catches, 57 yards, ran for 46 yards. So it was a good thing for fantasy owners that Ben Roethlisberger found something to do with with Le'Veon Bell. He said, listen, we're not getting a lot of stuff done on the ground, only 65 yards in the game. So the cool thing about that was that Ben found other ways to get Le'Veon Bell involved, which helped you out in fantasy-wise. It puts you in a really good position with having 103 all-purpose yards from Le'Veon Bell, and if you had Antonio Brown, you just you just absolutely took care of business out there. Uh, DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry, I said, I don't know either one of these. I said, I, I still think they're worth a flex going into the game, but at the same time, I was like, you know, the underperformance of them both, and either one of them really sticking out has been has been something sad this season. Rashard Matthews I picked up in the draft. He went undrafted multiple times in my five drafts of Wake Up Calls uh, Fantasy Football Challenge. He had 113 yards and a touchdown in this game. Delaney Walker, still the most targeted one in Tennessee, 92 yards. So good with either one of those. I, I told you Rashard was was worth a flex. Delaney, obviously, worth starting. But the, the Henry-Murray conundrum... You know this looked really good last year, Mike, but it was it was more Demarco Murray. Now that they're trying to balance it out between the two, uh, it's not helping either one of them. No, it hasn't. I think the the more they
1: try to make them their own individual guy or you know their own individual stamp on the offense, the more similar they become. You know the bottom line is still the bottom line. Last night Pittsburgh was able to pressure Mariota. They were able to sack him. They were able to create the interceptions, and that creates a lot because what happens then is you're playing from behind all game. And when you're playing from behind, usually in the NFL, that means you're throwing the ball. That usually doesn't mean running the ball. So it didn't bode well for either one of those guys, the, the way the game unfolded. But, you, you know, you were dead on with Rashad Matthews. That was – he had that one big juke at the end of that 75-yard run and he faked out two Pittsburgh, you know, secondary guys. So, I mean, that's a – you know that, that was a fantastic play to even watch over and over again. But you know, you, you if you're Tennessee, you know you still have some faith. Your quarterback did throw for 300 yards. You do have some playmakers. You do have the ab- the ability to win some games. It's just it's really tough to win against Pittsburgh, and it's it's just really tough to win a game like that in the NFL when you get behind and you're just behind all game and Roethlisberger. Throws for four touchdowns and Antonio Brown's going off and they're they're getting the ball to Le'Veon Bell in space. It's just you're not going to beat Pittsburgh that way.
0: Uh, one one quick note on Ben Roethlisberger we we know that he's he's not a running quarterback, but there was one play that happened. I believe it was in the first quarter. Could have been it could no you know I I think you know, I think it was. It could have been later in the game, but I'm, I'm thinking it was in the first half. But either way, Tennessee had come through. And you see two guys charging on the defensive line. You're like, okay, well, they sacked him. And they both they both came up on to what would be the right shoulder of Ben Roethlisberger. And Ben stayed up, but he didn't move out of the pocket. What concerned me was the fact that Ben literally looked like he could not move one foot in front of the other, like they were stone. And number two was the fact that they two Tennessee Titans got through, and they didn't sack them. It took a third guy to bring him down, coming from the other side. So I mean, I don't know. What that's I mean, uh, Tennessee obviously struggling. It takes three guys to take Ben Roethlisberger down, and at the same time, it looked like it looked like Ben, who we already know is not a running quarterback, he literally looked like he was completely immobile on the play. Did, do you, can you look back to that and and make any? You know, any uh, any thought that you have on, on the fact that Ben Roethlisberger, it looked like one of the easiest sacks ever in the history of the NFL?
1: Yeah, well, that's what you get when you face, you know, they don't call him Big Ben for nothing. This is a guy who, you know, ever since he came out of that area in Miami, Ohio, uh, you know, this is a guy that they knew had the stuff. You know, if you watch that movie Draft Day that came out not long ago, a couple years ago, about the NFL draft and about the Cleveland
0: Browns, you know, it was all fictitious stuff, but they used, you know, the shield, the real teams and everything. They even even made a comment that
1: one of the players that this guy's a Roethlisberger type, he's a sure hit. So this isn't new. When you come to the NFL and you win the Super Bowl in your second year, you know, you've arrived at an elite status and he'll always be a top-level quarterback. But I think those days are waning and I think the time is winding down. But it still goes to show you that he's still a solid player. He's got some solid pieces around him, and everybody knows how to do their job on that team. And it looks like they're starting to gel at the right time, late in the season, getting ready for a push for the playoffs Here is an excellent time to start putting up points in the NFL.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, we, we've discussed how Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown Get the job done, even when Ben Roethlisberger's numbers didn't look that good in fantasy. These numbers were great. and What he was able to do in this game, four touchdowns, no picks, 299 yards, not even 300 yards, and was able to throw four touchdowns in the game. They have the best record in the AFC at 8-2, and two, and they are fending off the New England Patriots still. And the best record in the NFL is the Eagles with 8-1 and one so far. So Pittsburgh definitely holding it down in the state of Pennsylvania, absolutely killing it. Inside of this season. Week 11 upcoming matchups for Sunday and Monday. First one we're going to talk about here in Fantasy Football Friday. Proudly brought to you by the Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York. Your hub for fantasy football. Viewing all the time. And of course, your place for all sports and for the family. So head out to Camillus on 3680 Milton Avenue. And check them out there and try those house wings. And you will not be disappointed. Unless you don't have good taste. Because in all honesty, wings are... listen. There are so many wing places and so many opportunities of you to go out and get something. I love Boneless and I love the opportunity of getting me some house special. Everybody tries a house special. Not everybody does it right and the wildcat definitely holds court in that respect. And that, you know, when you're talking about watching a game, how can you not have wings and some good nachos and whatnot hanging out with you? Detroit at Chicago is the first game we're gonna discuss for Sunday, Mike. Detroit is still trying to get into the playoffs. Chicago is trying to figure out who their draft pick is going to be. What do you think about this game?
1: Yeah, well Detroit's definitely the best looking 5-4 and four team I've seen in a long time. They look like they're playing a lot better than their record reflects. but you know, don't sleep on the Bears. Had it not been for a bad coach's decision on a replay challenge that could have gone either way. Uh, I, I don't know if you recall the situation, but They they replayed the ball going to the pylon in the corner, and instead of getting called as a touchdown like they challenged it to be, the call was a fumble out of the back of the end zone, which meant they turned the ball over. So they went from having a first down at, like, the one-yard line to trying to get a touchdown on a replay – to turn into the ball over by calling for the replay and that was just a bad decision. You can't win games like that in the NFL. He should have had somebody upstairs telling him yes or no. They you know they all know the replay, but I know they got a short window to do it. Listen, this game coming up here, there's no excuse for either team. The Bears at three and six. They got some talent, but they don't have any receivers. They got an upcoming quarterback, but he's still learning the game. The NFL is much different than college, and here's a guy, Mitch Trubisky, who didn't even get a lot of college starts, only a handful of college starts. So this is a situation that's going to take time for the Bears to gel. Matt Stafford's definitely a guy you want to play. He's the number nine overall quarterback this week. Detroit's been able to run the ball a little bit lately, but I think your value in running back is on the other side of the ball, in the Bears with Jordan Howard. He's the number eight running back this week. Amir Abdul has been making some of the splash. And, you know, receiver-wise, I like what Marvin Jones has been putting together as of late. He hasn't been totally consistent. And Golden Tate, number 16 receiver this week, definitely a guy you want to start. The challenge is finding the guys on the other side of the ball to catch the ball. Or a decent tight end in this game, which I can't find either. We did have an Eric Ebron sighting last week, but that's like Sasquatch. Those are few and far between. you got to really, really be desperate if you're playing
0: Ebron. Yeah, you know, and when you look at this matchup between Detroit and Chicago, you know there there is there are some notes on guys that have come back from injury. I mean, Kenny Galladay. This is one thing that I really look at fantasy wise is that Kenny's back, but it affected Marvin Jones Jr. this past week when they faced off against the Cleveland Browns. So you know, Marvin and I have Marvin's Jones Marvin Jones Jr. and I have Kenny Galladay. So. Marvin Jones has been helping me out every single week. He's been a very consistent scorer as as a receiver this season in fantasy football. Kenny Galladay, I've been wondering when how long it's going to take to have him come back, but I didn't want to get rid of him. He wasn't on injured reserve. But now it's the Kenny, if Kenny helps himself, how much does that hurt Marvin? So you have to watch out and look out for that. Obviously in this game, worth the play. Are Matt Stafford and Golden Tate because Golden Golden Tate still continue to do well with Kenny coming back. I still would look at Kenny and Marvin. Either one of them is worth a flex. I still think Marvin's a two, and Kenny Galladay is the flex position right now. But watch this and watch if Kenny doing well affects Marvin or vice versa. If these two can coexist in fantasy, or if it's something that's not going to work out for one of them. Amir Abdullah, he's done enough to make himself a running back three on your squad. He's not getting a ton of yards, but he has been able to score. And like I said, God bless him and thank you to the Lord that he has been healthy. I don't know him personally, but seeing his strife and what he's gone through lately, it's good to see him be healthy and be able to play. As far as Chicago, nothing excites me about the Chicago Bears. I mean, Jordan Howard is is worth a low-end two, high-end three to me. He's not a one anymore. He's not a top five like we expected him to be. Uh, Injury-wise, not too much to be concerned about in this game. If you have Dwayne Washington of Detroit running back, he has a hip injury. He's questionable. Outside of that, really nothing to look at. I don't feel good about anybody on Chicago, but if you put my feet to the fire, I would tell you that maybe throw Jordan Howard out there if you need a third or fourth running back. Jacksonville at Cleveland, Mike, this is a huge, huge reality implication game. Jacksonville, on paper, should go crazy in fantasy and in reality. They need to win this game nevertheless and cannot overlook it. If they win, they take hold of the AFC South truly with no tiebreaker over Tennessee if they win this game against a team who is currently 0-9. Thoughts on Jacksonville at Cleveland?
1: Well, this is a game everybody's picking in their survivor pools, Jacksonville to win. Jacksonville plays better on the road. Cleveland hasn't won a game all year. Jacksonville can control their own destiny by simply winning this game. They're the second highest line this week in games. Only There's a 10-point line out there, but this one's 7.5. So there's a lot of faith in Jacksonville. All this means Jacksonville is going to screw it up and lose the game. I'm not going to make any... Babe calling my shot over the right field wall here. But the bottom line is still the bottom line. Jacksonville has its destiny in their hands. They can do what they want to do with their season right here, right now in this game. And I think they could possibly do it. I think as long as they don't rely too much on Blake Bortles. Now, last week, I didn't understand. They got away from the running game. They went to a lot of Blake Bortles. He threw the ball like 30-some-odd times. That's not a recipe to win in the NFL, relying on Blake Bortles. We've seen this time and time again. You need to rely on a run game. You got a solid running back in Leonard Fournette. Give him the ball, and when you're done giving him the ball, give it to him again, and when you're done with that, consider giving it to him a third time. That's the formula for you to win Jacksonville. You've up your defense through the draft and through free agency. This year you made a splash by... You know, adding to that defensive line to shut down the ground attack against you. And Marcel Darius, the defense looks like a championship-level team. Don't screw this up, Jacksonville. Give the ball to Fournette and let him run the ball. That's why Fournette's the number four running back this week. Blake Portal's the number 15 quarterback this week. And wide receiver-wise, the targets are going to go to a guy like Marquise Lee. The the targets are going to go to to, to, – which one of the Allens am I looking for here? Uh, not not the um, – shoot, I'm sorry. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Allen, uh, Allen Hearns. Allen Hearns. That's the Allen I'm looking for. You know, These are guys that are going to be able to catch the ball, but I don't need them to catch the ball. I need you to give the ball to Fournette. So if you're a Fournette owner, go ahead and start him with confidence and just hope that Jacksonville follows the right formula to win, and that's give Fournette
0: the ball. Yeah, you know, Fournette should be able to go crazy in this game. I agree with Mike. I think that this is a a huge, huge opportunity for Leonard Fournette to get back in your fantasy good graces. Not that he should be out of them by any stretch of the imagination, but it's been a tough few weeks. So you know, you definitely want to you want to put him out there. You want to give him a shot. I mean, he went through a suspension. He went through a week of injury. You know, the the team had been off for a week. So all those things can affect your fantasy but hopefully you will know well enough to put him out there and let him run. This is something that could be a highlight reel for him, this type of game, to be able to go up against the Cleveland Browns on the road at home, wherever it may be. Remember that Jacksonville is 4-1 and on the road, 2-2 and at home, so they got back to 500 at home, lost their first two games at home, won the last two. I was just there for the overtime matchup, and you got to hear from a bunch of the Jags this week. So they get that victory, so they're 500 at home, 4-1 and away from home. They play Cleveland this week, and this is a big opportunity, like I said, for Jacksonville to help, to, you know, they're going to bolster up. They should, they should bolster up your fantasy points. They should give you a lot to be proud of. And at the same time, they have an opportunity to take first place in the AFC South. On Cleveland's side of it, I want to go to injuries really quick here just to make any notes that we need to make. Kenny Britt, knee injury, still limited. He's questionable. Isaiah Crowell shoulder injury was limited. He's questionable at the running back position. Josh Gordon's still out. As far as Jacksonville goes, they have a lot. Uh, Alan Hearns is doubtful for the game, an ankle injury. Mercedes is questionable with a knee injury. Marquise Lee is questionable with a knee injury. And they're saying they're saying knee injury and questionable. That might be code for Tom Coughlin. Gave him a swift or two this week. Leonard Fournette, ankle injury is questionable. Uh, Aurelius Ben wide receiver knee injury is questionable. D.D. Westbrook still on injured reserve. So a lot of wide receivers out looking like the Baltimore Ravens. But the Jacksonville Jaguars, again, it's about running the ball and pushing forward. As far as anybody on Cleveland, I don't feel good about this. I see Cleveland scoring maybe seven points, if not getting shut out in this game. On the other side of it, I think Blake Bortles is worth a play this week, worth an opportunity for you. If you have two quarterbacks, for sure, he's a high-end quarterback too this week. Leonard Fournette is a definite play. He is questionable, so as long as he's going, he's worth the play. Mercedes Lewis is worth the look at tight ends and some guys like your TJ Yeldon's or your Chris Ivory's, if you have to dig deep this week and look for a flex guy, not a bad choice to have. Keelan Cole, if Marquise Lee is going to be hurt and Alan Hearns is not going to be playing in this game, Keelan Cole is another guy to look at. Somebody I interviewed this week that's a young player on the Jaguars receiving core. So just some thoughts and the Jaguars defense and special teams, definitely worth the play. Defense and special teams are running the damn ball that is what they're, you know. That is what I'm looking for them to do in this game against the Cleveland Browns. Next game that we have up is Baltimore at Green Bay. Green Bay still trying to push despite not having Aaron Rodgers. In Baltimore, they've they've had some better days. What do you think about this one, Mike? Yeah, this is
1: definitely not a game for fantasy quarterback play. Joe Flacco's really been struggling this year, but he doesn't have anybody to throw the ball to. You, know, you pointed it out before, receiver-wise, they're just hurting. It's a bad situation for Green Bay because, well, they don't have a very good quarterback right now either And Brett Hundley. This has devastated the fantasy play of guys like Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams, the injuries at running back. It's hard to rely on Green Bay players. This is a situation where it's not just Hundley himself. It's the difference between Hundley and Rodgers, ball placement, back shoulder throws, being able to elude, being able to process information and make the necessary check downs and Things that balance the offense better, and that's what Aaron Rodgers has. He has a Favre-like command, a field general-type command of the offense, and they have every bit of confidence in his Manning-like presence on the field, where he's going to get the job done. They don't have that in Hundley, and that's just because of a lack of a number of reps against real top-level NFL talent week in week out. Now I'm hoping Brent Hundley's going to be able to process the information he has in his head a lot quicker on the field, but it's almost hoping against. So if you have a Green Bay player, the only one that I might start this week in a in a one position would be in a low level RB one, high level RB two for Jamal Williams, the running back. This is a guy who was available on some waiver wires earlier in the week due to the extensive injuries still being suffered by Ty Montgomery. Can't seem to get healthy, get back on the field. And the same thing with Aaron Jones. Looks like he's going to be out three to six weeks. So Jamal Williams will pay your way to the playoffs if you were able to pick him up. If not, sneak out there, see if he's still out there. He's definitely worth a bench spot. But, you know, i got to downgrade Jordy Nelson. He's the number 39 wide receiver this week, and Devontae Adams the number 24 receiver this week. On the other side of the ball, there's really nothing. There's Macklin. He's the number 28 receiver. But Jamal Williams is where you're going to find all the value in this game.
0: Yeah, this this as, as Mike and I both said, you know, Baltimore is not is not the team to, you know, make you feel good fantasy football wise. They haven't been the team that have, you know, most likely helped you out of any binds this year, uh last year as well. It's it's just been it's been a very tumultuous injury laden in last two years for Baltimore unfortunately, and I hope in Pray the best for everybody to get well very soon. Uh, Danny Woodhead is taking part in activities. He's still on injury reserve for Baltimore as far as on the other side of it for the Green Bay Packers. Ty Montgomery, he's sideline. He's questionable. We know that Aaron Rodgers is out, and Aaron Jones, as Mike said, is going to be out for a little bit here with a left MCL sprain as Aaron Jones was starting to look pretty good. So Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones, these two rookies, that, you know, who's gonna show up, who's gonna be the guy. Well, neither one of them's been consistent, and unfortunately, Green Bay's had to deal with a lot of injuries on a on a season that could have could have sent them back to the Super Bowl, could have at least gotten them to a deep place. You know, Philadelphia's playing very, very well, but Green Bay could have done a lot of good things if they had been healthy, and that's the tough part of it all. Alex Collins if you have to dig deep, if you're looking on the waiver wire, if you're looking in free agency, you need another guy to fill a flex, you need a third or fourth running back, then maybe look to him. Outside of that, you know, I don't feel really good about it. him and Javoris Allen. It's interchangeable at times. Javoris is getting involved in the receiving game. So, you know, either one of them is running back three, running back four. Jeremy Macklin, wide receiver three or four, again, another flex guy. On the other side of it, for the Packers, the loss of Aaron Rodgers has hurt absolutely everybody, and the effect that that's had has, has been really tough. Devontae Adams has been up and down. He scored most recently and was targeted the most, so if you want to play Devontae, then you know I see him as a low-end two, a high-end three. Jordy Nelson has severely seen a decrease in his fantasy output with Brent Hundley being the quarterback for the team, uh, Randall Cobb quiet as well not as quiet as Jordy so I feel the best about Devontae Adams and Jamal Williams I mean if you're going to run the ball give him an opportunity I think he's a low end two high end three this week next game up is Tampa Bay at Miami the battle for bragging rights in Florida what do you think about this one Mike well I think there's
1: something in the water in Florida the in and this goes back to this is the hurricane game they got rescheduled and Maybe the Hurricane is third to water up in Florida because, on the college level, you got Florida and Florida State struggling this year. Miami's undefeated. UCF looks like the best team in the state, and USF can put up some points. But, same thing in the pro game here. You know, you got Jacksonville leading the division, and you got Miami and Tampa Bay just struggling to get to 500. The Bucks at three and six and the Dolphins at four and five. This is not a great game for fantasy, but there's gonna be some fantasy luck here. There's gonna be some fantasy value. If you're looking and struggling, Ryan Fitzpatrick isn't a bad play this week. I got him at the number eleven overall uh quarterback and you know where he went to school he went to Harvard. Guess who else went to Harvard? Cameron Brake the tight end, who's a solid tight end there as well. They're gonna rely on each other. Oh, and don't forget, Mike Evans has got his revenge game from the suspension. He's the number ten receiver this week. So any one of those guys is a is worthy of a one in their respective position. Doug Martin, I got it. I, I don't see him totally back as an elite back yet, but he's the number 19 running back this week. And I'll tell you what, you want a sneaky play? Maybe in some daily games? Jay Cutler, because it seems that Tampa Bay can't stop the pass. They're weak against the pass. What should be their strength is their pass defense is actually their Achilles heel. So while I'm not high on Jay Cutler, he's a number 18 quarterback this week, he could be a sneaky play. And Kenyon Drake and Damian Williams are going to continue to split the Time split the ball. I look for Kenyon Drake to eventually win that battle. He's the number 17 overall running back this week. Both guys very similar. It's just I think Drake's the better fit right now. And, of course, in Miami, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention guys like Jarvis Landry and Devontae Parker. Both guys are low-end wide receiver twos. Not much to report as far as tight end. Julius Thomas has been making some blips on the radar, but I don't warrant a spot for him even on my team at this point in time.
0: Yeah, I, in, in this game, and like Mike said, you know, Florida is very different right now. Lane Kiffin still the coach at, FI, at FAU. It wasn't a joke. Turns out to be reality. We also have, you know, the struggle of the Florida Gators the struggle of the Florida State Seminoles, the rise of Miami in the second season under Mark Richt. And I agree, UCF looks to be the best team in the state of Florida. Scott Frost is doing a heck of a job, and they have been very, very strong. And then... You look at USF with Charlie Strong coming back. Speaking of Strong, first season with the South Florida Bulls, and they've only lost a game. And they are going to push, after winning last night, they're going to push this battle for Florida to the brink. If UCF wins over the weekend, then it all comes down to the matchup between UCF and USF, an undefeated team. If if UCF stays undefeated, undefeated versus one loss, whoever wins the game, they'll both have, you know, if UCF wins the game, then obviously it's done, and they have won the American Athletic East side of it, and they will host the championship game. If they lose, then they'll both have a loss, them and South Florida, and South Florida will leapfrog them in the 11th hour, and that will be an interesting moment in the American Athletic. So one of the coolest things that is happening in college football is happening in the American Athletic, so if you're not paying attention, you need to get on it and start watching, and definitely watch UCF this weekend, because if they don't win this weekend, then all types of craziness can go on. But if they win, we are spinning ourselves into an amazing, amazing time in college football, and the beauty of it, I mean, you look at the facts. These teams, everything that happened with the hurricane, UCF 10 weeks straight, uh, South Florida got some games in because they started earlier than everybody else. They didn't have their first week. Week one was in September, and their week one was August 26th. So you look at South Florida's benefits of doing that before the hurricane, and not knowing what the hurricane was going to be and that there was going to be a hurricane, and then Central Florida, 10 straight weeks of football to end, to end the season, and darn it if it hasn't made them stronger somehow when some people thought maybe it would affect them and make them falter. So Tampa Bay and Miami in the professional level, they're going after it this week. And you know, Tampa, they they won the game over the Jets, which a lot of people thought would happen because Ryan Fitzpatrick had an opportunity to get back at his old team, and he won this game fifteen to ten for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. As far as Ryan Fitzpatrick under center with Jameis Winston out with injury, he's been okay. You know, Doug Martin became the number one guy again and Deshaun Jackson looks to get some good looks right now. I like Deshaun Jackson as a play for you. I think he's a, a wide receiver two, lower ends, maybe a wide receiver three. Cameron Brait was very quiet in this game. Charles Sims did get a touchdown through the air, and he was involved in the passing game. So if you got to dig deep, Charles Sims could be a flex guy for you. Doug Martin is a low-end running back two, high-end three. Deshaun Jackson is worth putting out there as well because – Fitz looks like he's going to go after him in this matchup. As far as Miami goes, I find it interesting that Mike said, hey, don't don't count out Jay Cutler in this game. And, and I don't deny him of this. So, you know, you look at this matchup and Miami's going to be at home. Jay Cutler, not a bad play. He's a quarterback two for me this week. Kenyon Drake, I've liked him out there. I think Kenyon Drake is worth a play for you and worth putting out there. And, you know, Kenny Stills, he has a back injury, so you got to watch that. But Jarvis Landry and Devontae Parker any of these guys, Jay Cutler does make this team better. And Kenyon Drake seems to be doing a pretty respectable job so far. You know, he's this isn't a team that's running three carries for 10 yards. They're, they're getting 100 yards on the ground most recently. So I think that Kenyon had 82 of those and a touchdown on seven carries, 11.7 yards a carry against Carolina. So, you know, I, I think that this is an opportunity for you to play Maybe more Miami players than have ever played before with Jay Cutler, Kenyon Drake, Devontae Parker, and Jarvis Landry. And I think you're going to get points from each of them. How much could go up and down? If I had to tell you who I thought would come out with the most points this week, I would lean on Kenyon Drake, but I don't count out the receivers as well. And I, I do think that Jay Cutler is a sneaky pick and something to consider. Los Angeles at Minnesota. This is a massive game. Because if you look at the records right now, Minnesota and Los Angeles are both seven and two. Huge, huge game for positioning and jockeying in the playoffs right now. What do you think about this one, Mike?
1: Well, this is a game I'm most forward. I'm most looking forward to watching this week. Both teams at seven and two. Uh, Minnesota plays well. They play well at home. They got a great defense. The Rams are just hot when they want to be. They can score points. They're looking like the greatest show on turf again, almost. This is a situation where I think the last team that has the ball is going to end up winning the game. Now, either side, it's an interesting storyline with Case Keenum, who was over there on the other side of the ball looking over his shoulder at golf. Now, golf is the starter, and golf has proved himself as a perennial starter. He's a low end. Our, uh, QB1 this week, high-end QB2 at a 12-slash-13. I have him tied with uh, Philip Rivers. But it, it, Case Keenum's not going to do bad for Minnesota. Getting a vote of confidence recently, even though Teddy Bridgewater's supposedly back, And don't believe the Bridgewater hype. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. The only thing that's going to get Bridgewater on the field is an injury. Now, I'm not wishing an injury on Case Keenum, but he's got a similar situation. This is bad luck. Chuck here has got to look over his shoulder again. So Case Keenum's been getting it done. They've been moving the chains, making first downs, scoring. Scoring. And when you do that, you're going to win games in the NFL. And that's what Case Keenum brings to the table. He's the number 17 quarterback this week. Both teams are led by a decent ground attack. Of course, Todd Gurley... Type Gurley is a definite RB1 all year, no matter who he plays. He's number six running back this week. But then you got the other side of the ball here, and it's almost like a two-man show. I look for Latavius Murray to get more of the red zone touches, more of the goal line carries. Jarek McKinnon's able to catch the ball out of the backfield. He is worthy of being a three-down back. He's the number 16 running back overall this week. And then for receivers, well, you're not going to have necessarily top Light receivers in this one, but they're going to do what they need to do to move the ball. Robert Woods, number 25 receiver this week, he's been getting some big plays recently. And, you know, on the other side of the ball, I'm really struggling to find oh, wait a second, there is a guy. There's a guy named Stefan Diggs who's been hurt a little bit. Well, he's worthy of being the Wide receiver one again at number nine this week. And, of course, Adam Thielen, his partner in crime. Adam Thielen's probably the best number two receiver in the league, a great possession guy to have. He's the number 17 wide receiver this week in week 11. So I think it's going to be Minnesota. I think they're going to have the ball last, and I think they're going to end up scoring last. And that's going to be the formula to win this game. It's going to be an exciting game to watch, and a lot of fantasy points should be scored.
0: Yeah, this game is is a huge game with two teams that nobody thought would be here: Los Angeles and Minnesota. I mean, I should say, and let me rephrase this: I thought Minnesota had a shot the way they looked in the first few weeks. I thought they had a shot at going to the Super Bowl, but that was with Delvin Cook and Sam Bradford. To see what they've done without Delvin Cook with Jarek McKinnon and have Case Keenum. Now, Case Keenum's a guy who got me excited when he started off his when he started off his professional career with the Houston Texans. I was like, wow. This is a third-string guy who's playing better than a lot of people out there and was playing better than some guys on his own team. So Case Keenum, to see him be what he is right now to this team is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Minnesota, I don't think they they had this expectation of this. They did good for them, but I can't see that they thought that all of this was going to come with Case Keenum, nor did I think that you know Los Angeles with Sean McVay in his first season as a head coach, he's a young guy in his early 30s, that all of this would come about with the team. But a shout out to both teams, seven and two, making this a very exciting run toward the playoffs. And I hope they both make it because I'd love to see them both in this play in the uh, in the playoffs this season. As far as injuries go, Malcolm Brown, the backup running back, is out for LA. Still for Minnesota, wise, just uh, I mean, obviously Delvin Cook is out. Outside of that, there's really nothing to be concerned about. And Sam Bradford is is out too. So you know your usual suspects. Who to play in this game? I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I'm hoping it's in the 30s. I'm hoping it's in the 40s, for all goodness sakes. Jared Goff, Todd Gurley II, Robert Woods. Somebody asked me, should you play him? Well, he's looking better now than he looked since maybe his beginning in Buffalo. So I like Robert Woods in this game. Cooper Cup is is a is a low end 3 to me right now. Watkins and Woods seem to be getting into the end zone more. So Watkins is a high end 3, Woods is a low end 2 for me this week. Todd Gurley is a play absolutely. Jared Goff is a play. I'm happy that somebody left him out there for me a couple weeks ago. Uh, on the other side of it, Case Keenum, he's not a bad it's not a bad play in this. If he's a high end quarterback 2, a low end 1 because the matchup looks like it's favorable for high scoring. If you need some help and your guy's down or your guy's off, whatever it may be is going on with your team, and all you got left is Case Keenum, don't feel too bad about yourself. Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon, it's hard to tell you which one to play right now because they've gone back and forth. So in all honesty, I'd, I'd put one of them as my running back three. Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs are worth the play. Thielen's been taking care of business with Keenum. 166 yards and a touchdown most recently, 12 targets and caught eight. But don't rule out Stefan Diggs, as Mike said, as well. We'll take a step aside for a fast break and come back with more fantasy football advice for week 11.
1: This is a wake up call fast break.
0: The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family friendly. Some family friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base 487 2222 for the Wildcat family friendly sports pub and restaurant. Wow. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com. Backslash wake up call DT. We are in the thick of things for week 11 of fantasy football inside of the NFL. For those of you that are playing fantasy football, understand something. Week 13 or 14 is the end of your regular season. So please understand that you have to make moves and you have to make them now there he who hesitates is lost she who hesitates is lost there is no time to waste no time to lose hopefully you've been listening to us to a successful career that you have had this season inside of fantasy football we are proud to bring you the wake up call fantasy football challenge four leagues in central upstate new york and one league down in the beautiful sunny orlando florida Thank you so much to everybody that is a part of each of those and thank you to the Wildcat Sports Pub that is the hub of fantasy football and all great things sports related and family related in the community on 3680 Milton Avenue in Camillus, New York, a family friendly sports bar, which sounds like. An oxymoron, something that could never make sense together, yet it does, and it does so well. I've experienced it, been there watching people sit and drink beers and have a good time. Wines being poured, pizza's being had, wings are being had, people are watching the games, kids are running around, and yet everybody is functioning within their own environment and able to have a good time. Plenty of space for you and the fam, for you and the guys, you and the girls, come out and hang out at the Wildcat Sports Pub any day of the week. And a big shout-out to everybody that came out to our live show that we had this month with the boys' varsity basketball team of the West Genesee Wildcats that are right over the hill from the Wildcat Sports Pub. Next game up that we have for Week 11 is Washington at Nollins. What do you think about this one, Michael? Well, I, you know,
1: I, I think New Orleans has been putting it together. The Saints are on a seven-game winning streak after starting 0-2. And they did something last week that was sort of off script for them. They ran the ball. They ran the ball. And they ran the ball. And they ran the ball. And they got some short little dump-off passes. But Drew Brees didn't throw a touchdown pass last week, and they rolled over Buffalo. So this is a situation where they're finding another way to win. This is dangerous. The the, The rest of the league is on high alert now because they don't need to rely on Drew Brees' arm. They don't need to rely on Michael Thomas catching a touchdown, which is something he hasn't done yet this year. They need to just hand the ball or throw the ball short pass-wise to Mark Ingram, the number three running back this week, or the number 11 running back. That's right, two RB1s on the same team. And I'm not even counting it as a PPR because these guys are becoming more similar than they are different. They can both catch the ball, they can both run between the tackles. Alvin Kamara, the number 11 running back this week. This is a situation where the Saints can catch you off balance. When you think they're going to zig, they're going to zag. When you think they're going to pass, they're going to run. And that defense has been shored up. Their defense has been playing a lot better. The last time they were able to put together a ground attack and make improvements on the defense was when they had their Super Bowl run a few years back. This is a dangerous team. I look for them to continue rolling at home. Now, Kirk Cousins and Drew Brees are a very similar play this week, a five or a six QB, either one of them. Michael Thomas, the number two wide receiver this week, even though he's been absent of the touchdowns, he's going to be the guy they're going to throw the ball to. Tight end-wise, you can't really say anything much about either team because, well, you would like to rely on Jordan Reed, but you can't because he's always dinged up. You'd like to rely on Vernon Davis, who's covered for Jordan Reed. But then again, Jordan Reed's going to cannibalize just enough of those passes from Vernon to make neither one of them worthy of a play. But both are low-end, tight-end, too, this week. And you look on the other side of the ball, where's Kobe Fleener? Where has this guy been? You can't rely on him. If he's on your team still, I'm surprised. But look for the ground attack. Look for the quarterback play. And look for the points out of Michael Thomas. Other than that, there's... You know, you're going to score some fantasy points in those positions, but don't count on any tight ends in this one.
0: Yeah, uh, this this matchup. And, and the thing is, you know, Samajé Perrine, uh, Mike and I have spoken about him, the rookie running back for Washington, at the beginning of the season of, you know, that we thought he was going to be the guy that would eventually transition into the starting job. Too little, too late, maybe, for Washington, as he is now, you know, equaling carries with Chris Thompson, but it's not – really turning into much right now. I mean, he's, he's been quiet. Most likely you had dropped him already from your fantasy team. So, you know, for the rushing attack for Washington, I don't think it's going to be phenomenal. Chris Thompson gets involved the most in rushing and receiving. So he's a flex position at, its, you know, at some of its best. So he's worth a play for you. Jamison Crowder has been their leading receiver the last couple weeks. Like I thought he would be at the beginning of the season. So it's, it's kind of funny how Washington is starting to do the things I thought they would do but earlier, Samaje, Perrine, Jamison Crowder are big examples of that. So, Crowder, a flex guy for you. Thompson, a flex guy as well. As far as, or Crowder could be a wide receiver three. As far as the Saints go, Drew Brees, you can't sit him down. They scored almost 50 points against Buffalo in Buffalo. They won by 37, 47 to 10. Drew Brees didn't throw a touchdown. It's insane. Dare I say, the New Orleans Saints. Listen in the NFC South right now: Philadelphia, New Orleans, Los Angeles, and Minnesota all leading their divisions are Super Bowl caliber caliber teams, in my opinion, at this point in the season. Every single one of them a Super Bowl caliber team. Eight and one, and seven and two for the other three. Dangerous, dangerous here. And New Orleans is one of those teams I believe that has reason to believe that they can make it to the Super Bowl because, like Mike said, they ran the ball and. Drew Brees hardly had to do a damn thing. Through 25 passes, they ran 48 times. 184 yards passing, 298 on the ground. The team averaged 6.2 yards a carry. Kamara had 8.8 yards a carry on 12 carries. Ingram had 6.2 on 21. They both had over 100 yards rushing. They both got into the end zone. I've been telling you since week three, Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, if not before then, play these guys. And that's what you should be doing. It's it's probably the best one-two punch running back in the country. And Michael Thomas is getting your yard, so he's worth the play as well. And Kamara started out getting involved receiving the ball and then a few rushes here and there. While well, he's still involved in the receiving game and he's running the ball, So Mark Ingram's your workhorse runner, Elvin's doing a little bit of everything, and both of them are making you happy if you're a fantasy owner. Best one-two punch in the backfield, arguably in the NFL of 32 teams, so a lot for you to play on New Orleans side. Drew Brees, Ingram, Kamara, Michael Thomas, and like I said on the other side, you want to look at Jamison Crowder or Chris Thompson, outside of that, I'd probably stay away from Washington. Next game up is Kansas City at New York. I said to Mike on the break, why do I feel like New York might win this game? And I think it's because they seem to do well against the AFC West, and they seem to succeed when they're not supposed to. What do you think about this one?
1: Yeah, this game should be all Kansas City. They should just roll. They should walk into the, you know, that Meadowlands area there, and they should just steamroll. If you, if you have a KT player, I don't need to tell you this, them. They're one of the tops this week against a soft, giant team that looks like they have quit. It looks like they've quit on their coach. It looks like they've quit on each other. It looks like they're just showing up, going through the motions, collecting their check, and going home. They've already thrown in the towel at 1-8. They can't tackle. They don't tackle. They don't hustle. The secondary is a mess. Most of those guys are suspended. And Tom Coughlin in Jacksonville has got to be looking back at this situation and just chuckling because... This is what you get when you lose a guy like Tom Coughlin. You get a team that's got talented players. you got essentially the same team they had last year, and they're 1-8. and eight. They're a train wreck. They're a dumpster fire. I got Alex Smith as the number three quarterback this week. I got Kareem Hunt as the number one running back this week, and Tariq Hill as the number five receiver this week, and Travis Kelsey is the number three tight end this week. What does that tell you? It tells you it's all going to be one-sided. I think if you're going to start a guy – on the other side of the ball for the Giants, maybe an RB2 low-end, Orleans Darqua, maybe a high-end wide receiver two in Sterling Shepard because of volume, he's the guy by default. And also the guy that's been catapulted and been holding himself in a good situation is Evan Ingram, number four tight end this week. But you can't rely on an Eli Manning in this one. You're not going to be able to rely on any of the Giant players taking you to a victory this week. However, you can count on your KC players to do just that.
0: Well, you know, as a as rapper once said, I don't want no mediocre, I can't handle mediocre. So, that's what the Giants have been. They have been, well, they've been below mediocre, okay? You go up against a team in San Francisco who had not beaten anybody all year long and you let them get a victory. You gave San Francisco the one thing they probably didn't want, which was a win. They're trying to get that number one pick, folks, and look what the New York Giants did to spoil that and screw that up. The Giants are not looking good this year, but I do agree with Mike that Orleans Darqua, Sterling Shepard, and Evan Ingram are players that you need to put out there for this game. Definitely Evan Ingram, because he's been one of the most consistent tight ends in the end zone all year long. I told you at the beginning of the year that Evan Ingram and David Njoku were the rookie tight ends that you had to pay attention to and commit to. David Njoku has gone through numerous uh, quarterbacks, and that's has not boded well for them, but Evan Ingram, no matter how bad New York looks, he's been the better of the two, and he's done a great job. So those are the three names to look at for New York. As far as the Chiefs go, it's the usual suspects, Kareem Hunt, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. I'm not gonna not going to make it hard on you at all, but I agree with Mike on this one too. Alex Smith, all of a sudden, has risen to prominence in your fantasy football roster for this week. Next up, Arizona at Houston. Thoughts?
1: Well, this is a must win for Arizona. This is a situation where they can win this game going up against a quarterback in Tom Savage, who shouldn't be on your team unless you need a guy in a super flex or a multiple quarterback league. This is a situation where they're going to reload with Blaine Gabbert. That's right, Blaine Gabbert in Arizona. It looks like Stanton's not going to get the nod. I know he's been limited at practice and trying to get back, but he's probably not going to get the nod. It's going to be Blake. It's going to be a, a Blaine Gabbert, and this Blaine Gabbert sighting. He's going to be able to, as long as he can elude a little pass rush from Jadavian Clowney, he's going to be okay because they missed J.J. Watt badly in Houston. This is a situation where they're going to be able to run the ball a little better than they have. Adrian Peterson should have a better showing. He's a number 10 running back this week. But on the other side of the ball, they got a guy in Lamar Miller who's going to be equally, if not better, than Adrian Peterson. So those are two safe guys you can start. Those are RB1s. But you know what? I'm looking at this whole situation, this whole game. you got to look at it, DeAndre Hopkins. At sheer volume, they're going to have to throw the ball. They're going to throw the ball to him. He's the guy that's been most productive for them. He's the number one receiver. He's a pro bowler for a reason. And if I'm looking further at this game, it looks like C.J. Fedorowicz has been trying to make mm-hmm. his way back. He might be a surprise guy this week. Not much to report on the other side of the ball as far as tight ends. But let me tell you why this game is so important for Arizona. Well, you know that running back they had that's been on IR ready to return? He just got his cast off. He's in rehab right now. If Arizona wins this game, I say that he comes back, David Johnson being he, in week 12 to give this team a booster shot to get them back on track. However, If you're at four and six and you're at the bottom looking up, maybe you don't want to rush that young guy back and risk further injury. So this is a huge game for Arizona. This could be a make-or-break game for them. And there's some fantasy points that you could have out of this game, primarily in the running back position, if you're paying attention.
0: This matchup, you know, Arizona and Houston, you would think that this would be a better matchup, a better fantasy play for you if it was Carson Palmer going up against Deshaun Watson. But there's been so many injuries, over 240 players on injured reserve this season, and we still have a bunch of weeks to go. And obviously we're hoping for all of them to get better. Adrian Peterson in in this game, as far as injury report goes, uh, we know that Drew Stanton is doubtful for the game. So like Mike said, Blaine Gabbert for Arizona side. David Johnson uh, is still, they're telling him not to make a schedule. So we don't know when and if he's coming back, what's going to happen with that. On the other side of it for Houston, Will Fuller, you heard about adding insult to injury. Well, how about adding injury to insult? He's been insulted by Tom Savage taking over because he was on a trajectory of being one of the best mid-season pickups in fantasy football, then Savage came in and all of a sudden from Watson to Savage, Will Fuller was insignificant and barely utilized. Now he has a rib injury and he is doubtful for the game. So adding injury to insult for Will Fuller the fifth, who like me, you might have picked him up and then had to drop him within 2 weeks. So very sad for Will Fuller. Uh, on Arizona side, I think they're going to have to tr- they're going to try to run the ball in this game. So Adrian Peterson is worth a nod. Jermaine Gresham has been Cons- more consistent than he has been in a while. So he's a low end tight end for me, a low end two, but still an opportunity. Larry Fitzgerald, well, I should say a high end two, low end one. Larry Fitzgerald is worth the nod as well. On Houston's side, DeAndre Hopkins somehow, someway. I told you if anybody's going to get it done, it would be him. He figures it out no matter who the quarterback is. Bless his heart. He's the only guy I would tell you to play. We're going to take a step aside very quick here and come back to round out the rest of Week 11's fantasy football advice from Mike Sofka of of HallofFameFantasyFootball.com and, of course, myself, Dan Tortora of WakeUpCallDT.com. Next up after the fast break is Buffalo at L.A. I know the quarterback of Buffalo now. I told you he was going to play this season. We'll talk about it in a moment.
1: This is a Wake Up Call Fast Break.
0: The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York is proud to be both. 487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wake call dt. Hanging out here with Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com. If you haven't gone to him for fantasy advice, then you're one of those people that I would probably reserve in the crazy pile. So make sure that you get out to Mike at HallOfFameFantasyFootball.com. Let him assist you and help you throughout the season. Please understand that fantasy football never sleeps. So you can always come to Mike and I, Mike at HallOfFameFantasyFootball.com, myself at WakeUpCallDT.com, and to break the monotony of when the NFL is not playing games, we implore you to call to get in touch to make the phone calls to the show to send emails and do what you got to do to get involved on HallOfFameFantasyFootball.com and wake up call dt.com to give us some work that we will enjoy doing whether it's the off season or during the season because fantasy football does not have an off season. Would you agree Mike?
1: Absolutely. If you're not uh, 2 weeks ahead, you're a week behind. You need to be paying attention to everything at all times. College ball, pro games, You know, who's coming out early for the draft, who's looking good in college, injuries in college to, you know, OTAs to the draft to free agent signings. It doesn't stop. And there's some year round leagues I'm involved in. If you haven't gotten involved in one of those, that's a lot of fun. It's a lot of commitment. It's not for the everyday player, but yeah, it it can be a lot of fun. It makes it almost like an exact replica of the NFL.
0: And that obviously is something very exciting to look into for your upcoming. Weeks and enjoy, but we're with the here and now. You got to look at the here and now. This is not coach speak. This is reality. This is clutch time for you folks. NFL week 11. And we are back at it inside of Fantasy Football Friday, which is playing within Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora here on MixLR.com backslash DT, And it is proudly presented by the Wildcat Sports Pub, the home for Wake Up Call's fantasy football, Central New York and upstate New York leagues. And, of course, the home for all fantasy football players and NFL enthusiasts, as well as all of you that like all the other sports in the world. Or if you're like Mike and I, who like a little bit of everything, The Wildcat Sports Pub is the place for you. They have just about enough things on the menu for you to order something different every single week of the year. And they got enough things on the televisions all around you to give you more than enough to watch throughout the year as well. A big shout out to the Wildcat Sports Pub for all the awesome things they do. Coming up next is the matchup Buffalo at the Chargers. They have changed their quarterback. Nathan Peterman got some time this past week, but now there has been a shift I told you this was coming this year. If I was Buffalo, I thought I would have done it a little bit sooner. Hindsight 2020, they're 5-4, and four, so I don't deny myself the fact that maybe it would have made more sense to do it in Week 7, Week 9. Well, they're doing it in Week 11. Nathan Peterman, former pick quarterback, is the starter. You heard what Narduzzi had to say to me about him earlier on in today's show. Mike, what do you think about Mr. Peterman?
1: Well, when I think of him, I think of that character from Seinfeld, Jay Peterman, and you know, maybe there's something similar. You know, he's got that mystery about him. So this is going to be an opportunity for NFL fans. You know, you got a glimpse, but maybe there's something to this. Maybe there's something to this move. This might be the beginning of the end for Tyrod Taylor. Last year, with the uh, the not getting him on the field for bonus issues this year. I think he's just worn out as welcome, unfortunately. I think he's a solid player, and with the right coaching and the right team around him, he's still a bona fide quarterback in this league. It's just not working out in Buffalo, and it's time for them to move on. I wouldn't rely on Peterman this week, obviously, on the road, even though it is against the Chargers. You know, your first start like that's not an easy one, let alone on the road in the NFL. So you can't count on him, but you can count on the guy on the other side of the ball. You can count on Phillip Rivers to help you out this week. He's a low-end quarterback one. I think the value is not going to be in any receivers necessarily, but just the running backs. You know, Melvin Gordon is still a solid play. And his sneaky play now, a sneaky pickup, is Austin Eckler, who seems to be the perfect change of pace guy. Scored a couple times last week. Looks like he can find a ball and create when he gets in space. So this is a guy who you want to put on your team as a, as a flex guy or a third guy. You know, a guy that can take a bench spot and jump in there and maybe surprise you and catapult you to win one week. You know, looking at the receivers, Keenan Allen, he's a 21 wide receiver this week. Hunter Henry, as far as tight ends go, has been a tremendous disappointment. You know, he's, he's inconsistent at best, hasn't even had the targets, let alone the catches recently. And, you know, on the other side of the ball, Charles Clay looking to get back. You know, you got a Calvin Benjamin looking to establish himself here. So this is not a great fantasy points game. Could be an interesting game to watch. But, you know, if you know where to find the gems, if you know how to pick up or be able to pick up an Austin Eckler and make room for him, if you have room, this could be a game and a time you could look back on later in a year and go, that's where I won the championship.
0: Yeah, you know, Austin Eckler, I I watched him in the most recent game that was down in Jacksonville for, you know, he's definitely shown up. He's done some good things. There's there's been a a Melvin Gordon that has been a little bit banged up, beaten and bruised and been on the injury report for the last few weeks and and the last three weeks uh, for sure. So Austin Eckler's taken advantage of that. He had two touchdowns. They looked almost exactly the same. It was a short pass outright for 28 yards, short pass outright for 22 yards, that he took these you know, two three-yard passes and turned them into cutting around the right side and heading into the end zone. I mean, these are big plays by Austin Eckler, and it's what kept the Chargers in the game. So Eckler is definitely worth a pickup if, if, like Mike said, you can make room for him. And I like the way that that you worded it, Mike, because, you know, the last week I I had some difficulty with that. I needed players to fill in for bye weeks and injuries, uh, mostly bye weeks. I needed players to fill in. But the struggle that I had was I didn't want to get rid of anybody. So I'm trying to put a guy on the roster. I need another running back. But then I don't have enough space. I have to put a wide receiver out there. So do I want to take, because I bring, I bring like an Austin Eckler onto the team and say, okay, well, he's he's a running back going to put out there. But the one that I need to fill the spot for is a receiver. And then I don't want to get rid of the other receiver that I have. So sometimes you end up putting the guy on and stashing him because you want to get him onto the team, but you don't know where he fits. So it is a chess match right now, at least for me it's been in Week 10 going into Week 11. Now, Phillip Rivers is questionable for the game. He has yet to clear the concussion protocol and was limited on Thursday. Uh, They said, we think that Rivers will play, but that's up to the doctors, is what the head coach, Anthony Lynn, said for Phillip Rivers outside of that injury. Nothing really to be concerned about. Uh, Steven Hauska, who's been killing it. Going over to the Bills, used to be the Seattle Seahawks kicker. He sat out Thursday's practice with right hip soreness. Should play in the game, though. Jordan Matthews is questionable, so has been his gameplay. And returning to a limited practice on Thursday is Charles Clay, who Mike mentioned with a knee injury. He is questionable to play in this game. As far as I'm concerned for Buffalo, I like LaShawn McCoy in this matchup. The fact that Tyrod Taylor's not... Under center, and it's Nathan Peterman, which means, should mean that LaShawn McCoy is going to have some more yardage. Calvin Benjamin's another guy to take a look at, and the potential of Charles Clay as a low end two just because he's coming back from injury. and, And if he's not full go, that might affect some of his play. But those three guys, and you know, if you have to go two quarterbacks, I'm not. I'm not against saying a low end two for Nathan Peterman because they're playing the Chargers, so it could be a fun game. He's obviously not your starting quarterback, but if you have to play a couple, I'm just saying. LaShawn McCoy, Kelvin Benjamin, and Charles Clay, though, on the other side of it. Charles Clay, I go back and forth because he is very talented, but his 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 injury that has nagged him throughout the season has obviously affected him. If Rivers plays, whether he's, you know, if he's not a hundred percent then Austin Eckler could be helped out by this as well. He was a leading rusher and receiver for the team against the Jaguars. I like him in this game. Uh, Melvin Gordon has dropped to a a running back two for me. Eckler is one of those guys that could be uh, a low-end two for you to put onto your team this week, and so I like both of them in this game. The receivers continue to be a juggling act of of who's going to get it, so I trust more in Gordon and Eckler than in anybody else in this game for the Chargers. Next one is Cincinnati at Denver. What do you have for this one, Mike?
1: Well, this is going to be a boring bowl, if you ask me. I I don't look for much out of either quarterback, whether it be Dalton or Brock Osweiler. That's right, Brock Osweiler back home in Denver. You know, you can't count on either one of these guys this week, unfortunately. You'll be able to count on the running backs, though. Joe Mixon, number 15 overall running back this week. C.J. Anderson, not so much a high-end running back three flex play you know he's been getting robbed of some carries by Devontae Booker and it just doesn't look like they're able to run the ball looks like Denver's a little bit of a disappointment doesn't look like they can stop a tight end so you may want to roll a Tyler Croft out there number 11 overall tight end this week and you know they're receivers both receivers, worthy of being wide receiver ones, with Brock Osweiler, their wide receiver threes, Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. The value at receiver in this game is all A.J. Green. A.J. Green, the number 11 overall receiver this week. There's going to be some throwing the ball. There's going to be some sloppy play. It's going to be a close game, but not one I'm really looking forward to watching for fantasy points.
0: Now, uh, th- this this feels like it could be a boring game. This feels like another Denver loss Uh, there was a story written of should Denver continue to hold on to their playoff hopes or just play Paxton Lynch. And I'm sorry. I didn't know Denver had playoff hopes right now. So, I mean, how could you go worse than what you got already? You lost to the giants. Okay. You gave them their only win of the season and you just lost 41 to 16 at home to the Patriots. And you were supposed to have the best defense in the country. So, Emmanuel Sanders on Denver's side, you know, at least with Brock, he's been playing well. Demarius Thomas, so both of those guys are worth a nod for you because they're playing Cincinnati, who doesn't play good defense, and Pac-Man Jones is questionable right now with a concussion. So, I mean, I look to those two guys on Denver's side of it. For Cincinnati side of it, Joe Mixon, give or take. He's not a great yardage guy. He's a low-end flex player for me. A.J. Green, just because the defense that was supposed to be great in Denver is atrocious and Tyler Croft is not a bad play he was extremely quiet against Tennessee with one catch for four yards but most of the time since the injury to Tyler Eifert he's been relevant so look to him New England at Oakland Mike what do you think about this one well this game's going to be interesting in this game there's going to be some fantasy points
1: scored even at the higher altitude this is that Mexico City game 7500 I think is the uh, feet above sea level this is a team in New England who's used to playing like right at sea level. So they've uh, gone out to the uh, military academy, the Air Force Academy and the Olympic training academies out there to get some practice, some reps, some, some conditioning in the higher altitude leading up to this because it can affect your play on the field. But I think the thing that's going to be affected the most in this game and a reason why there's going to be some good fantasy points on both sides of the ball is both teams inability to, to rush the quarterback to make something happen. We've seen the failure of Oakland when the bo- when the uh, pocket collapses, cars trying to step up into it, and the defensive linemen on the opposing team are pushing the guards and the tackles into them, into the pocket, closing the pocket from the inside out. Tom Brady's able to flush through that, and neither team can really rush the quarterback, so the quarterback's going to have time to throw, and you give these quarterbacks like Tom Brady and Derek Hart time to throw, they're going to throw the ball, and that's why I like the receivers in this game. I got Michael Crabtree at number seven, and I've got Amari Cooper at number 15. On the other side of the ball, I got Brandon Cooks at number six. Well, they are both be able to run the ball, but... A lot of it's going to be not so much in between the tackles, but little passes. Marshawn Lynch, the number 18 running back this week. Deion Lewis, a low-end running back, too, at 22. And Rex Burkhead right behind him. Rex Burkhead should be more visible in that short passing game. So definitely a PPR league or a DraftKings-type situation where they reward PPR points. Rex Burkhead might be the hidden gem this week. Tom Brady, number one quarterback. Derek Carr, number eight quarterback this week. And, you know, you got to look at Jared Cook on Oakland. He's been getting it done lately. So, you know, Gronk is Gronk. You know who Gronk is. You know he's going to be the best tight end in the game. As long as he's able to be on the field, as long as he's healthy, you got to start Gronk. I don't need to tell you that.
0: No. And, you know, th- this, and, and like Mike brought up, you know, these defenses really don't hold anybody down. So look for some scoring in this game when New England takes on Oakland in Estadio Azteca in Mexico City. Best thing about this game is that George Lopez is lighting the Al Davis torch for the Oakland Raiders, which I'm ecstatic about. Lopez is a huge Raiders fan, and I finally got to see him in person in Syracuse, New York, do his comedy, and he was absolutely awesome and was a great pleasure watching him go up there and do his thing on stage. And now he's got a huge stage in front of these NFL teams in Mexico, which is going to be very fun. I'm going to watch the game just because it's in Mexico. Chris Hogan is doubtful for the game with a shoulder injury. Martellus Bennett. Yes, Martellus Bennett, the guy that was with the Patriots. And then he was with green Bay. And somehow last week he showed up on both injury reports is back with the Patriots after green Bay, let him go. And funny how you never know who you're going to sit next to on the plane. There was a lady next to me talking about how when Aaron Rodgers went down with his season-ending injury, that Martellus Bennett just gave up. He literally just said his body language changed. He just wasn't good on the team. He had no desire to play. And so now he's back with New England. So, you know, I guess the crybaby got another quarterback that could bring him to the playoffs. Danny Amendola is questionable with a knee injury. Matt Slater is as doubtful with a hamstring injury not expected to play in the game for the Patriots. As far as Oakland goes, really nobody to be concerned about on the offense and looking at this matchup, Tom Brady, I don't need to tell you, Dion Lewis, Rex Burkhead, Rob Gronkowski, Brandon Cooks, all of them are healthy plays in my opinion. And I do agree with Mike that Rex Burkhead who who I who I grabbed and threw onto my team a couple weeks ago because somebody I think had dropped him or left him out there for the Wolves. He's got an opportunity to be something in this game, and you can never count him out. Marshawn Lynch has somehow become somewhat relevant now with two touchdowns most recently, so that's been good for him. Jared Cook is finally doing what I thought Jared Cook would do based on what he showed me in the preseason. Nine targets, eight catches, 126 yards. He's been fun to watch, and he's obviously affected the output of Michael Crabtree. But Crabtree, Cooper, and Cook... All worth a nod, in my opinion. Cook has risen to a tight end one for me in this game. And Marshawn Lynch is a low end running back two because of his inconsistency. But darn it if he hasn't gotten better in recent time. Philadelphia, Dallas for Sunday Night Football. Thoughts, Mike?
1: Yeah, I like Philadelphia in this game at 8-1. And no Ezekiel Elliott on the other side of the ball. You know, they say you or I could run behind that offensive line. Well, Alfred Morris must not be as good as you or
0: I because he wasn't be able to get much done, and and I was disappointing. But that's
1: who they got. That's who they're going to stick with. They're going to continue to push through in Dallas. This is going to be a game with some fantasy points and some implications. Both sides of the ball, you can get value. I got Carson Wentz, the number four quarterback this week. Dak Prescott, number seven. Both guys are going to be able to run the ball. Both guys are going to be able to throw the ball and march the chains down the field on the opposing team. Although I think the Eagles are the better team here Dak is gonna be able to get some things and make some things happen. They're both teams are gonna be able to make some things happen thanks to their tight ends. They got excellent tight end play on both teams. Zach Ertz, the number two tight end, number two to only Gronk, so that's a good place to be. And Jason Witten, the number eight tight end this week. As far as wide receivers go, you know, they got Dez Bryant, one of the best. But he's having a down year, and I get it. You know, and the Ezekiel Elliott thing is not going to make it easier. Everybody needs to step it up a bit. And that could even step it up some for some surprise guys, maybe a Cole Beasley. You know, maybe a guy that, you know, is going to get some red zone opportunities that would have gone to Ezekiel Elliott will now be passes, short passes thrown to Jason Witten. So keep your eyes out for things like that. As far as the running backs go, J.H.I.A., Busted loots in his first game over there in Philadelphia. He looks like a solid addition. He's a tremendous downgrade for LeGarrette Blunt right now until they get that situation resolved there. And Alfred Morris, by default, he's going to be a high-end running back three. Hopefully he'll be able to get something done for Dallas.
0: Yeah, you know, Dallas is, is obviously – they're struggling right now. It was the worst. It was the worst time for Ezekiel Elliott to go out, but a selfish man does selfish acts, and that's where we're at. Philadelphia at Dallas in this one to take a quick look at any injuries of note. Phillies, Elshon Jeffrey has an ankle injury. He said he will most definitely play Sunday, though. He is questionable to play on the injury report. As far as Cowboys go, you know Zeke is out. And Tyron Smith, who a lot of people don't pay attention to, he isn't expected to be active for this game. He has a groin and a back injury, and he's one of the offensive tackles for the team, and he is questionable. So that's something to look at and Dan Bailey still doubtful with a groin injury, which I said, listen, groin injuries are nagging. Groin injuries and hamstring injuries are really, really, they're not season-ending, they're not surgery-needed injuries, but those are the ones that can hang on for weeks upon weeks upon weeks. So my best to Dan Bailey to get better soon, as well as Tyron Smith, because those injuries can be some of the most disappointing and aggravating ones in the NFL. With this game, Philadelphia... I shouldn't have to tell you this, but Carson Wentz, Jay Ajayi, Corey Clement. I'm so happy with Corey with what's he, what he's been doing. He got a bunch of time right before they made the trade with Miami for Jay Ajayi. They're still using him. I love it. And as far as receivers go, it's so quiet. It's, you know, Nelson Aguilar, things have kind of changed. So it's up and down. Trey Burton's been involved. Elshon Jeffrey is is your best bet. So I would say Jeffrey as a as a wide receiver three Jay Ajayi as as a one Corey Clement as as a good flex guy and a low end two for you just because that relationship has been wonderful and Carson Wentz is a number one guy four touchdowns no interceptions in his last game Dallas (laughs) they're gonna have to pass the ball because they're not running it well so Dak Prescott's a low end quarterback two for me Jason Witten is a high end tight end two for me I really don't feel good about anybody on Dallas right now, to be completely honest with you. And that's the first time I've said that in a very long time. Final game, Mike, Monday Night Football, Atlanta at Seattle. Playoff implications. Atlanta loses this one. They could very well be out of it for good. Seattle wins. They got a huge, huge case of making the playoffs. What do you think?
1: Yeah, Seattle's always tough at home. It's always tough to go to Seattle. Uh, Seattle's a solid team all the way around. Well-coached team at 6-3 and three this year you got to think Seattle's going to win this game, but you keep waiting for Atlanta to bust loose, kind of like what we saw Pittsburgh break it open last night. It's going to be harder because they're going to be without uh, Freeman this week, still dinged up, but that's going to improve things for Tevin Coleman. Tevin Coleman, number nine running back this week. Well, you know what? If a man goes down, next man up. And here's the sneaky play of the week, the sneaky pickup of the week. We gave you one last week in Garrett Selleck, and all he did was go out there and score a touchdown. I'm going to give you the guy again this week, Teron Ward. Now, don't expect a lot. Temper your expectations. But if you're in an emergency situation and need a deep running back, need a flex play guy, Teron Ward is going to take over the Tevin Coleman role because Tevin Coleman has taken over the Freeman role. Now, both quarterbacks are worthy of a play this week, Russell Wilson being the number two quarterback, but Matt Ryan's downgraded a little bit to a high-end quarterback, too, because he hasn't been getting it done. We'll look for him to try to connect to Julio Jones, who's the number three wide receiver this week, and on the other side of the ball, another wide receiver wanted Doug Baldwin. Doug Baldwin is a guy who seems to show up every week and get you a few points. He's a steady Eddie. Paul Richardson's been on the rise, but I can't have him any more than a high end wide receiver three. And both teams have outstanding tight ends and Jimmy Graham, the number five tight end. And of course on the other side of the ball for the Falcons, Austin Hooper has been showing up lately. Mm. Look for him to continue to try to show up as a number 10 tight end
0: this week. Yeah, this game is going to be fun, and like I said, it's a reality playoff implications for sure. I told you last week that Dallas was going to make Atlanta look like they were a damn good team this year, and they did. They lost by 20. In this matchup, Atlanta, uh, Teron Ward, who Mike brought up, he's questionable in this game, so just watch him on the injury report. You can get that on wakeupcalldt.com on the Fantasy Football Quick link. You can either go to Fantasy Football in the tabs on the top, Or if you scroll down the homepage, there's a quick link to Fantasy Football that will take you to the NFL Injury Report and the archive of all of our Fantasy Football Friday shows, as well as so much more. And a big shout-out to the Wildcat Sports Pub for helping to power that. In this game, without even if Teron Ward plays and he's not 100%, Devontae Freeman has a concussion. He's not going to play. Tevin Coleman's going to be the guy. Now, Tevin Coleman's been working his way up the last couple weeks, and now he has a chance to be the guy. This is a big game for him and a big opportunity for him. So you play him in this game. Taylor Gabriel has clawed his way up the ranks. He's a wide receiver three. Julio Jones has an ankle injury that's left him questionable. He's, he's a high-end two for me right now, high to mid-two. And Austin Hooper, who I told you to play last week, he's he's a tight end for me in this matchup. That could be something that pays off dividends for you. He's a high-end, tight end, too, for me in this matchup. As far as Seattle goes, I want to go to their injury report. Eddie Lacy's been nothing. He has a groin injury. Should be available for the game. Doesn't matter because most likely he's not on your team. Chris Carson, CJ ProSize are both on injury reserve still. Jimmy Graham has a knee injury. He was limited in practice this week, and that's really everything for the injury report. My thoughts on Seattle on who you should play. Russell Wilson in this game, feel good about it. Nobody on Seattle makes me feel good running the ball. Russell Wilson's gonna do enough of it that if you play him, it'll help you out. Doug Baldwin seems to be a, a fair bet at this, and if Jimmy Graham's healthy enough to go, he's a high-end, tight, tight end two for me as well. Paul Richardson, like Mike said, I can't see putting him before a wide receiver three. He's done some good things recently, but he has not been consistent, and that will affect where we put him. That is fantasy football advice for Week 11, and this has been Mike Sofka of, of Hall of Fame Fantasy Football, and myself, Dan Call WakeUpCallDT.com. Mike, as always, thank you, sir. Time. Thank you, Dan. Talk to you next time. All right, sounds good. That coming from Mike Sofka Once again, you can check him out at HallOfFameFantasyFootball.com. Our show will be archived and uploaded today. You will be able to go to WakeUpCallDT.com and click on the RSS feed, as well as the iTunes podcast logo and the downloadable app powered by Podbean, and listen to the show. If you like the page on Wake Up Call, or if you like the page on Facebook at Wake Up Call DT. And on Twitter, if you follow at CallDT, C-A-L-L-D-T, you will automatically have a quick link to that as well to listen in to the broadcast that you just heard. Thank you so much for tuning in. Big shout-out to Muddy Waters. We had what I consider our most successful night of game show night that's only a couple months old at Muddy Waters. You guys have been great. They were hanging out. We ended at 820-something. And almost 11 o'clock, we had half the team still hanging out around the bar, just having a good time and mingling and and enjoying their time. So I appreciate everybody that came out. Happy Thanksgiving. We are off this coming week for the 23rd for game show night. So we'll be back at game show night on November 30th. We're off for the holiday, of course, because they are closed and you are home with your family, as am I. I will be back with you on Monday, though. We're going to be doing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday shows next week and potential of doing our Friday show as well. But we're definitely going to be here for Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So I'll talk with you at 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. those days. On mixlr.com backslash wake up call DT. And if you want to see me sooner, which you should, come out and hang out with Dale Shackleford Syracuse basketball alum, and myself, Dan Tatora, 5 p.m. Saturday, November 18th, which is tomorrow for those of you listening live at Lees and Staggerwald downtown. Come and hang out with us and have yourselves a good time to pregame at five o'clock for Syracuse's seven o'clock matchup at the Carrier Dome. Can't wait to see you out at Leeson Staggerwald this Saturday, November 18th at 5 p.m. for great food, drink specials, and great conversation, and you get to meet a former Syracuse player. I'll see you then, and God bless in the meantime.